Welcome to this episode of Flint CXO Bytes. Really glad you could join us. Flint's the Future Leaders Program for the Tech Users Association of New Zealand, or two ends. And I'm Craig Young, the CEO. This is a show where we talk informally with a well-known influential leader about their leadership journey and ask some questions about leading in these disruptive and transformative times. I really hope you enjoy today's episode, so let's get on with it. Welcome to today's CXO Bites. I'm really excited about today's. We're talking to Angela Lim or Dr. Angela Lim. Um, just before we get into that, uh, thanks again for coming along. We just let a few more of you in. Um, this is the fourth one we've done of these now, and they are on our website and they're also on our YouTube channel. So, welcome, Angela. Uh, like, so we'd be starting these events each week by just asking people, you know, now that we're in lockdown and people are having to work from home or remotely, um, what sort of setup have you done? Because um, I know you've got an office. What sort of setup have you done to be able to cope with the last four weeks? Um, yeah, I just um, uh, have my desk <laughs> set up in my dining table. And so it's a nice and open space. So it's, um it's been really, uh, it's been relatively productive being out this way. <laughs> <laughs> relatively productive. I've been on a few Zoom calls with people who've been working at their uh, lounge table and uh, watching their flatmates in the back actually cooking dinner or something. So it's always been a little bit interesting to see what's been going on. Um, Angela, you're a, you're a, uh, we've we've met and um, you've talked to us a few bit a few times about what you've been doing. Um, we like to start with a little bit of background. So. Can we, because you've got a really interesting background, let's start with um, your original profession as a doctor. So can you tell us a little bit about why you became a doctor, um, how you got into that, and, and then why you um, went into paediatrics, because that's your specialty, right? So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I kind of actually didn't know what I wanted to do after I graduated from high school. Um, so I, being really Asian, picked the hardest course I could find <laughs> um, just to kind of see like um, how I would benchmark against the rest of the country um, and kind of fell into medicine from that perspective. Um, and because it was really um, hard, I think, going through medical school, um, part of trying to understand what I was good at was how I kind of dabbled in other stuff periphery to um, the medical profession um, and that kind of lead me to where I am today um, but uh, but then you know once I got into my clinical years I really enjoyed it um, and I love working with kids there's something uh, really joyful about working with them and so that's how I kind of went into pediatrics um, but I kept up with all the stuff that I did on the side around looking at health IT um, and that's kind of uh, got me to a point where I felt like I was at the stage of my career where I really wanted to focus on that full-time instead of um, practicing medicine full-time. That's a really interesting um, thought. Can you just tell us a little bit, remind us how long it takes 
first of oh, all okay. to become a doctor and then to what your specialty how you got into your specialty yeah so i did my first degree um which is a bachelor of science um specializing in neuroscience and i was really interested in the brain and psychology um so that was my first degree that took me three years um, then i did my second degree which was which was my medical degree um, that took me five years, so um, eight years in total at the University of Auckland, um, a great call, a great university. Um, I, I learned a lot, um, and then I graduated and did basically four years, three years, three years of medical training um, in, pa in pediatrics. Um, so eleven years in total before I actually took a step back and um, said, "I'm going to." press pause on that and try entrepreneurship instead <laughs> yeah so maybe let's talk about that a little bit because you've done all that work you know and and most people would have um you know said well i've done all this study and i've done all this i've got to now make use of it <laughs> but you know accountants talk about sunk costs and you know you can't look at what you've spent before you do what you do next did, is that the way you see it or do you see it did you make that decision what led you to make that decision? Yeah, I think that uh, I'm quite a, I don't like to give up. <laughs> um, so when I got into medical school, um, by basically second and third year, I kind of felt like it wasn't quite right for me. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like that was my place. Um, and what I'm here to do in this world. Um, but I didn't, I was kind of halfway through medical school and I was like, okay, I'll just finish medical school. <laughs> so I did. Um, and, then, um, and then I was like, okay, I just want to see what it's like, you know, not being a student, maybe part of the um, discomfort was that maybe I was just in a student setting and that when I start working, I would feel more at home. Um, and so I did, I actually did enjoy it a lot more having graduated. Um, but it still was a part of me that felt like, oh, something's still not right. Um, and so I kind of, because I was um, finding medical school challenging, always knew that I was really interested in technology and how technology could improve um, the way that people access care. Um, the thing I was driven by was by tackling health inequality. And um, I just felt that if we kept doing more of the same, we will never change the outcomes. And so I was very fascinated about how technology could completely transform the way we deliver care in the hospitals and in just the general setting. Let's come back to technology in a minute again. You talked about health inequality, and one of the other roles that you run is uh, you're the chair of the 2020 Trust. Can you tell us a little bit about why you got involved with them? Yeah, I think um, if I think about what is the one value that runs everything in my life, is this idea around fairness, and, um, and inequality is the opposite of fairness in my <laughs> in my books. And so when you look at how technology is really um, basically being the, the basis in which everything is being done, then the new version of inequality is through digital or um, lack of being able to be digitally included in our society. Um, and so I felt that if you really wanted to tackle inequality um, of the future, you have to tackle the, um, from a digital, um, what's the, you know, how, how are people digitally excluded in our society today? And it's very clear basically post, um, because of the lockdown and how everybody's been having to move, you know, to study online and, um, and all that kind of stuff, uh, that, 
uh, or work from home, it really kind of shows you who is able to do that and who is not. And, um, and that will breed the next generation um, and it will be intergenerational. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, I just like to remind people that as we go, you know, put your questions into the uh, Q&A section so that we can ask Angela um, this, this afternoon. Um, so this is about leadership and your leadership journey. So now that you've taken a step away from practicing as a doctor, tell us a little bit about what Clearhead is, why you got into it, and what your role there is. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Clearhead is a digital health company. Um, the intention is basically to directly address the barriers to um, accessing care. Um, and I'll give you a very simple example. So when uh, the whole pandemic happened, um, we were all asked, for example, if you're unwell to call the health lines. Um, and health line basically saw 10 times the usual call volumes that they got. And what that meant was people couldn't even get through. People were waiting on the phone lines for more than an hour. And really what they wanted to do was check around, like, what is it that we, you know, do I have those symptoms? Do I need to be tested? Um, and so what we did is um, our chatbot was able to um, go through the, the criteria with you and then tell you what to do instead of if you're not able to get through to the health line. And so um, really the intention is like, how do you use technology in one place that helps people understand what they need to do when they're trying to access healthcare? And we do that by um, using an artificial intelligence chatbot um, and then putting all our resources in one place um, to support, for example, your mental health. So you, if you needed meditation guides, um, uh, if you needed to track your mood, everything is in one place and you as a consumer will feel very empowered to kind of take the steps to self-manage your health. Okay, and so what's your role there? And, and um, can you talk about the skills and that you're bringing to that role, particularly around leadership, to, to drive it forward? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of this company um, alongside my very talented CTO, Michael Connolly. Um, and uh, my role as, as the CEO of the company uh, and what I have to do is everything that's not about coding the software. <laughs> um, and so that means, you know, managing HR, um, setting the vision, um, interacting with stakeholders, um, ensuring that people, um, you know, buy into what we're trying to do. Uh, so it's uh, at an early stage startup, you're doing everything basically. Um, but the main thing really is, um, is just steering the ship you know, being very clear about where you want to go, how do you make sure that you communicate that to your team and your team's able to work together with you in achieving that. Yeah, okay. So the, the, the previous people we've talked to have been in leadership for quite a long time. They've come through leadership roles, managers, etc., to get to where they are now. You've gone from one career and suddenly jumped over to the other and you are the CEO and founder. Um, what skills have you taken with you from your previous career that have been of value to this new one? Yeah, um, I saw a chat by Sam. Um, just a quick answer to that is there's seven of us in the team. Um, cool. And if, the, if we continue the trajectory, well, we might be hiring a little bit more. So we're excited. Cool. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I guess what I carry over is the ability to um, listen and be empathetic. Because um, 
when you work in health, oops, sorry, I don't know if you could hear that. <laughs> um, when you, uh, sorry. Um, so when you work in health, um, it's really important for you to understand um, the people that you're trying to serve. And so a lot of those skills around, um, you know, communicating with people and understanding their problem when I was a doctor and understanding the patient's problems, the same skill set that I bring around trying to understand the problem that we were trying to solve at a systems level. So we did a lot of user interviews um, with, um, with both mental health users, um, clinicians, government, um, just to kind of really understand and then build that picture. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact is like, I would never say the 11 years that I spent um, was wasted because it was just a real deep dive into understanding the system in which you're trying to influence and change. And um, yeah, I to all the attendees, that would be what I would suggest if you are trying to think about a space that you want to work on. Um, you cannot substitute just being there, immersing, understanding as an insider what the issue is, but then taking a step back and say, okay, if I'm a complete outsider, how would I then solve this problem instead of trying to solve it the same way that it's always been solved? Cool. We've got a really good question that's come through, but I want to ask you another one before that occurred to me, particularly around... Um, you are, you know, not to put it too blunt a point, you are a young female leader. Um, so are some of uh, some of our people as the, that will be on the call as well. Both environments that I've seen, you know, that we're talking to you about, well, almost all three, but if you go back to being a doctor, lots of people around you would have been older than you. There would have been some old crusty blokes like me around there um, <clears throat> and nurses and, and, and practitioners. Also in the 2020 Trust, the you're the chair of that trust previous <laughs> chairs have all been people like me um and i know them because i've dealt with them you know older gentlemen with beards and, and white um how do you how have you found or what skills and how have you managed to bring a voice into environments where you are not the same as everybody else or you are um you, yeah, you're not the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, so I think there's a lot of unconscious bias. Um, you can walk into the room being young, female, and Asian, and immediately someone picks you in, in their head around how they expect you to be. Um, and I often find the best thing to do is just to um, surprise them um, by basically coming across in a way that um, dismiss their preset um, stereotypes and and I find that actually when you do that they um, you become more memorable right because um, you're not meeting their expectations so I have often just led from a perspective um, that um, I speak um, around the experiences that I have the insights that I've developed um, and often they are uh, um, <laughs> would be considered older than my, my years. Um, and, and that in itself allows me to feel that I deserve to be at the table. Um, of course, um, for some, it will be harder to do that. Um, and, uh, and you can, you know, it's absolutely okay to kind of, in a <laughs> compassionate way, you know, ask them to, you know, talk, to them about that if it's causing you discomfort at the meeting. So I think, I think that the main thing that I've learned anyway is that you you hold your own and um, and often 
uh, the, it's, it speaks for itself rather than trying to say, no, listen to me. Um, I need to be listened. Mm. Okay. Well, let's go to the question that we've had from Param, which is um, what motivates you to do your, oh, it's a, it's a multi-barreled question. So let's, <laughs> you've got it in front of you. What motivates you to do your job? What are the challenges you face to continue to deliver the service? Um, and we'll come back to the mental health bit in a little bit. We'll answer the second bit a bit later, but let's do the first bit. What motivates you and what are the challenges? Oh, a lot of challenges. Um, and, and I think the motivation is what keeps me going. So the, the main thing really is just thinking about like, why are you doing this? Um, because as a startup, I can tell you the competition is stiff. Um, there are many times I've asked myself, why am I continuing? Um, and often I have to remind myself that um, this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing it um, to improve the lives of New Zealanders. Um, that's what motivates me, um, not prestige, money, or anything like that. Um, because if, if, you, if you're motivate, motivated by that, there are so many other things you can do that will help you achieve that. That's much, much easier than running your own startup. Um, so that's one thing. And then I guess the challenges I face is, like I said, it's the competition is stiff, I think, especially um, in, the, in sort of this aspect of technology. I think what you can see is that um, through COVID-19, there's a lot of companies are realizing how they need to go digital. Um, and so for us, we were digital from the get-go, um, but that same advantage might not necessarily always stay. Um, so, you know, we, we can never rest on our laurels. We are constantly saying, like, how do we better integrate into the health sector? How do we get more people using us? How do we continue to innovate and push the boundaries? Um, if we add this value, how do we add another value? How do we keep synergizing? So I think the main thing that's been challenging is just staying relevant and, um, and just making sure that you're one step ahead of your competitors. Mm. Cool. Um, you talked about, about before that as the CEO, you're doing everything other than the coding, or at least to start with, but you do have seven employees now and you did say you're doing HR. So can you talk a little bit about now that you're running your own business, what sort of qualities are you looking for when you bring on leaders? Because you'll have a quite different view from some of the crusty old guys as well. Um, yeah, actually our team, um, everyone's 30 and under. Um, so um, what we're really looking for is just people who show initiative and are able to kind of um, get shit done, basically, <laughs> um, is what we're looking for. Um, at a startup at this level, you're not really looking for hyper-specialized people. You're really looking for people who are flexible um, and able to work across with where things need to be done um, and then also uh, willing to learn because a lot of what we did um, there is not been done before um, and that's the whole point of innovation if it's been done before it's not innovation um, and so how do you also bring on people who um, when set with a problem know how to learn from first principles so that's really the two things we're looking for people who who will learn who are flexible and are easy to to get along with basically Okay. And you're having to learn to lead these people. So we're in this, we're in this COVID-19 pandemic. We're locked down. Um, hopefully well, we're coming out next week into level three, but we'll still be working home. What, um, what have you learned about leadership in these last few weeks um, in particular around, you know, leading people, leading the company through a, a quite a disruptive time? Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually, uh, for us, we've been lucky because um, I, I absolutely know that for some other sectors, like say tourism, this would be devastating. They've gone from multi-million dollars to maybe zero dollars revenue overnight, right? Um, we're on the other hand, really have luckily, I guess, or, or opportunistically been in the position where we're in health and we're in digital, which is really, I think, one of the growth sectors. Um, and so from our perspective, our company and the team has really just rallied together to see how do we improve on the offerings and how do we do that really quickly? How do we build partnerships? Um, and just how do we keep, you know, pushing the team forward? And so I, I would say that like, um, the same leadership skills apply, they're just much more intense. They're just happening faster and you're just having to kind of touch base more often and just keep pushing ahead. Okay. Um, just following on from that, so you've chosen to work in the mental health field. That was your where Clearhead came from. Yes. Um, you've done the COVID thing since then. Why? What led you into that space? Because we are. I am going to spend the last couple of minutes just asking you for some personal, um, perhaps, thoughts around how people will cope. But let's go back to why you picked it in the first place. Yeah. So. I guess for me, the overall vision have always just been about improving access. Um, and when we looked at, um, you know, but you kind of start off with saying like, we're going to try and change the whole health system. Nobody's going to take you seriously. Um, so we really took a step back and said, where in the health system um, had the biggest gap? And that was mental health very clearly. Um, we have the highest youth suicide rates out of the 34 OECD countries. Um, and, um, you know, something like uh, they, you know, the, the mental health report that has been published by the government has clearly outlined that the, the sector has not been able to meet the true demand. Um, and we saw all of that before the government even, you know, published the, the inquiry before they even put money there. And um, we just kind of went with where the people are saying that the most pain is that people are just asking for simple stuff like, I would like to retain my dignity when asking for help. I should not be begging you um, for help. Um, and so we, we thought that, you know, uh, it is the space that needed the most innovation in. Uh, it had the, the worst outcomes. And if we could make a difference there, it would make the biggest difference in New Zealanders' lives. Mm, yeah, really good. Um, let's, let's finish up with um, a question of sort of around Param's question, but also just about, you know, this time we're in, the, I think we're going to be in this, um, way of working for quite a while now and we're going to have to think about well how do we keep focused and look after ourselves so mental health um, have you got any um, words of advice as a young leader um, to people uh, in similar situations like yourself about how to retain how to look after their well-being um, and how to keep going um, over this period yeah so I think the number one um, thing that most people find challenging on their mental health is the uncertainty, right? Um, uh, is there going to be an economic downturn where I will lose my job? Um, how am I going to be able to go to work while um, still managing my family? Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty that's associated with COVID. Um, and because the the pandemic is still unfolding in front of us. Um, nobody has the answers to that. And so the first thing is being able to kind of just um, practice mindfulness. Um, what is it that you can deal with right now with the information that you have? How can you plan 
forward with what, again, with the information that you have? And then how do you learn acceptance around the things you cannot control? Um, and, and so those are, um, I use meditation um, and journaling as a way of just quieting and stilling my mind um, because there are definitely moments where I will start panicking for, um, uh, and then I need to like basically take those steps to say, okay, um, what am I panicking about? Uh, what can I do and put in place? Um, and then how can I just, you know, just be mindful of how I'm feeling? Um, so, so those are um, the simple things that you can do. Uh, a lot of people find exercising quite helpful. Um, so, you know, um, as we continue to stay working from home, it just means that you're less time commuting. So those times that you save, can you dedicate half an hour just going for a walk or a run? Um, you know, just, I think mental health often kind of puts, gets put down the too hard basket. And actually it is about just self-awareness, understanding your triggers, um, uh, putting in place things to, to address those that tri uh, things that trigger you and then just simple habits that you perform consistently that works for you. And, and when you don't know what works for you, experimenting is completely fine. Yeah. Uh, right, well look, thank you so much, Angela. Do you have, um, do you have a, a corporate social media account or, or your own personal media account that people can follow you on? Yeah, so Clearhead is um, available um, to follow on social, on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to give us a follow and we kind of share um, updates and tips and stuff like that weekly. If you want more tips um, on how to support yourself through COVID or through your mental health, um, you can jump on our website, clearhead.org.nz and there's a blog piece and there's lots of blogs that we, we publish around how to help you um, through COVID-19 and your mental health. Um, and, you know, don't forget you... Um, during this time is when for the first time everybody is available to be um, contacting each other and so make the most of this period where you can have those social contacts even if it's digitally. Cool thank you so much Angela look I want to thank you for taking your time out because I know you're really busy you've got you know, you're trying to create, uh, you know, this this um, service. Um, so I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody that uh, turned up and came and p participated in the session. Um, the video will be up on the YouTube channel this afternoon and on our website, and you'll find all of the previous ones there as well. I want to let people remind people that we've got a webinar next Wednesday at one o'clock, which we, uh, which is about the working at home, working from home series, and we're going to be very much talking about. Uh, more about this keeping your focus and looking after yourself and and well-being a um, lot less on the technology next week and then just finally everybody next week's uh, cxo bites we're going to be talking with jb russello who is the ceo of chorus and uh, he's been here um, just a few months and suddenly found himself in the middle of quite a disruptive time so um again thank you everybody and um thanks angela we'll see you again around no tr no doubt thanks for being with us this week you can keep an eye out for our next episode simply on our website twoans.org.nz you can join us live when we record the show watch the video on the two Ans youtube channel or simply wait for it to come out on this podcast thanks again and we hope you join us next time <laughs>